In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me three people in the studio tonight. I have with me Austin and Numpty. I don't like the Numpty. Uh, I know, but we're using it anyway today. And I have with me Gary the Stud. Oh, that is me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have several things we're going to talk about with you tonight. We thought we would talk about with you the death of Wilford Brimley. That's right. We're going to discuss the death of a Star Wars icon, quite honestly. And a lot of people don't know it. And it's kind of a shame that they don't know that Wilford Brimley is a Star Wars icon. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, release of the Star Wars Squadron's official gameplay trailer, which my son had not seen, and I think I just maybe popped his like gaming cherry tonight about it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Star Wars Bad Batch TV show that might actually happen. And then we're going to talk about a video that was released over at, well, this is CBR.com. They released a video about why the DCEU's future is brighter than the MCU's. That's right. Debate time. Okay, so first let's talk about uh, something that's kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say it's depressing, but it's kind of sad that this past week, and probably by the time you guys hear this, it'll be about a week and a half away, Wilford Brimley died at the age of 85. Now, for those who don't know Wilford Brimley, I- I'll-, I'll start it out this way. There are reasons you should know Wilford Brimley. Some of the most obvious ones was he was a spokesperson for diabetes, if you weren't aware of that. He was the Quaker Oats guy for quite a many years, right, Gary? Yep. Uh, probably about a decade or two, even. Well, shortly after he was diagnosed with diabetes, he became the Quaker Oats guy. He became a Quaker Oats guy, and I knew he-, he was using both at the same time to promote like healthy living and lifestyle and stuff like that. Yeah, because oatmeal is the best thing you can eat for diabetic for heart disease and stuff like that yes yeah that that he was he was a spokesperson for those two things was there anything else gary that he was in it was like openly significant i'm trying to the movie the thing thank you that i was trying to remember there was some 
Yes, he was in the horror film The Thing, which is kind of interesting. You know, he, if you've never seen the original one, he was in it. Uh, the, the, t- the TV show Our House or Our Town. Okay. All right. Did you ever watch that show? Yes, I did. Okay. I was too young, so I, I don't, I didn't, you know. Again, you're just a little bit older than me, about five years or so, and so that, that you know, that generation, I think, has a stronger connection to Wilford Brimley than, than my generation. He's about as old as Uncle Mike? Yeah. Um, okay. So, Wilford Brimley, to Star Wars fans, was in, it was an Ewok adventure, if I remember correctly. I, uh, I, I always the get the two of them. The title it says on here is Ewok, the Battle for Endor. Okay, Battle for Endor. I always get the two of them mixed up. So, he was in the Battle for Endor. All I know is he's in the one where they actually used the name Mace Windu. For the first time, and by the way, has nothing to do with the African American Mace Windu mother later on, <laughs> um, you know. And yeah, it was kind of weird because I guess George Lucas had this affinity for the name Mace Windu, and so he wrote it into a script for an Ewoks TV series. And then little did he know later on, he really, 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 really wanted to use it as a Jedi, and went oopsie. Now here's my question that that's a hand. Now that we're talking about Wolfer Brimley, by the way, Wolfer Brimley was 85. I could say he lived a full happy life. You know what I mean? At eighty five, I think I, you know, being done all the, having done all the things that he's done. It, it was uh, what was that, ironic, Bob? Yeah, I dragged you to Chore Theater last year. That's right. Yes, just to see, just to just meet, to see, just to meet him. Yep, Wilford Brimley. And the whole time I was like, really, Wilford Brimley, Gary? And you're like, you don't know when you'll see him again. And I was kind of <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you're kind of right. I don't know when I'll see him again. And, and we got the autograph. We kind of argued a little bit, and I was like, I really don't want to get the autograph. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. And now I've got the autograph, and I'm like, wow, okay, well, you know. Like I said, when I told when my wife and I talked about it, I said maybe Gary's a little prophetic or something, and I didn't know it. Um, <laughs> this is David Filoni we're talking about. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> But, you know, he lived a full happy life, but I, I got to say that, you know, he, he had a decent acting career, and, and our conversation with him, we had a great conversation with him. Uh, he was, a you know, he was older, and I, th- I think, you know, his his time was Did limited. Did he enjoy doing the work on the Ewok show? I didn't ask him that. I didn't uh, want to poke that little bear, because, uh, uh. get it, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Somebody got my joke. I got it. Uh, I was laughing before I did. <laughs> so, you know, I, I didn't... No, I didn't want to, like... Because there are people who have worked on the Ewok made-for-TV movies that are very proud of what they did. And I think Wilford Brimley was probably pretty proud of it, at least the impression I got. There are some people that are, like... They would rather it never admit they were in <laughs> kind of like uh, the TV Han Solo show for, or a Harrison Ford for that. Uh, I'd say like anybody special. Oh no, yeah. Well, I was gonna say about anybody in the holiday special. Anybody upon anyone who is in the holiday special, including Carrie Fisher, who actually sang in it, and I think she really regretted that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've never, a- I ne- had never asked Peter what his thoughts were in all. Again, I was too afraid to see what he would say if I'd said anything to him about it. You'd be afraid it. he'd say it and throw you through the wall. Well, and Peter now. could, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so, no, I didn't really ask him about that. But, you know, it, just the fact that he was involved in it, I thought was a pretty cool thing. And i got to be honest, you know, in the particular picture he was in, he probably was the bright spot. In the entire thing. The rest of it was total garbage. I don't remember watching it if we ever did. We did, but it didn't, yeah. I was probably way too young. I just remember we watched it with Ian, and we got done, and he just looked at me and he goes, the hell was that? <laughs> like, like, is this what, also, like, what did we just watch? Wasn't this the same, like, uh, was it 4th of July weekend or something like that where we watched that, and then we followed suit with watching... The holiday special while we were all while they were all drunk. We or? no, we all watched we watched the Star Wars movies all the way through in order, hmm. 
And I went, wait, we're not done, because we got to Return of the Jedi. And so I popped in the first Ewok one. And, of course, Ian had that reaction. I'm like, wait, there's another one, because we got to finish it. And he was so angry at me at that point. And then I think what makes it worse, I think of the second one's the one where the witchcraft shows up and there's like magic in it and weird stuff like that. And Ian's like, he he was so angry. And I did point out to him that both Ewok series were produced in Elstree Studios over in London. I think that kind of pushed him over the edge a little <laughs> bit <laughs> because it was done in England. Oof. And that's what I was about to say. So am I right, Gary? The Ewok series are still part of Star Wars, right? Like, technically, any TV shows and movies are still part of the EU, if I'm that, that, to understand that correctly. That is what they said, is anything that's on film right. is canon. So, technically, the Ewok that TV series the, is still canon. That, that includes, includes the holiday special. It also includes Star Wars droids and the animated and, Ewok And the animated show. Ewoks TV series, oh, yep. Good. No, the atrocity, no. the absolute atrocities that those were. Droids wasn't too bad, but I mean, Ewoks, when you, the animated TV series was bad. Droids doesn't hold up uh, simply because it doesn't hold up over time. Like half of our '80s cartoons don't hold up over time. As awesome as Smurfs is, it does not hold up over time. I mean, it just doesn't. You know, it, the I don't know the way it's drawn, the way it was done in the '80s, it doesn't hold up no, over time. No, it doesn't. It's kind of like I you know as much as I love gummy bears. It does not hold up. It does not hold up over time. <laughs> I was going to say, you look at Gary's that looking at me weird like, what are you talking about? There was an animated, there was an animated Disney TV Disney series show. called Gummy Bears. The Adventures You don't remember Bears. that? No, I don't. Gummy Bears bouncing here and there and everywhere. High adventure <laughs> that's beyond compare. See, they are the Gummy Bears. That's, that's where that five years difference comes <laughs> You're right. <laughs> he, was, he was into way off Because i got to be honest with you. I, I My generation was the prime He-Man, Silverhawks, Thundercats, right? Like, that was our... That that was all aimed right at my age Meanwhile, group during I'm that not, time period. No, 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 not, not necessarily. You, well, I think your age group was in there, too, because my brother would watch some of that stuff with me. I but, think he would watch but, Gummy Bears willingly with you. No, he did not watch... <laughs> like, there were some shows, like Chip and Dale's, he did not watch. I watched that. I watched Tailspin, he would not watch it. I watched The Adventures of Gummy Bears, he would not watch it. Care Bears, I, I don't know why, but I watched it, and what? my brother would not... I'm not saying I liked it, but I watched it. Snorkels was another one that I watched that my brother would not go with at with a ten foot pole. Is that the one where they have like the They're underwater smurfs. Yes. 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 I've seen that. It's really weird. I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was a fun show. But again, it was aimed towards my my age group during that time period. I watched Thundercats think it's amazing. I watched He Man, I just go He Man was weird. (laughs) He Man for its time was awesome. But again, it does not hold up over time. So but yeah, with all that in mind, Ewoks just hasn't held up over the years and and I often think like there's certain things I'm sure Star Wars would like to say never happen and I think Ewoks is one of them. But I think there's the three or four of them it's Probably the Ewoks, the droids, and the holiday special. But I, I, I think Wilfred Brimley should be proud of the work he did with Ewoks. I think, considering what it was, he did a great job. And really, he was the guy that carried that TV movie uh, when the kids, quite honestly, could not. And it's not a knock on the kids. They were just young and, and probably had some bad directing from George, I would imagine, that didn't help the scenario at all. Yeah, I so, believe that. Wilfred Brimley, we... Uh, we raise our buckets up to you. Uh, we are sorry for your family. Uh, your family's in our thoughts and prayers, and uh, we hope the best for you as you move on to that world beyond.
Okay, so the second thing I wanted to talk about was the Star Wars Squadron. The official gameplay trailer came out. If you have not seen that, I'll put a link in the show notes for that. I gotta tell you, it's not too often I get really overly excited about a gameplay trailer. This one was kind of like, yeah, I was kind of squeeing just a little bit when I saw it. Even The Force Unleashed, Austin will tell you, I kind of had to talk myself into buying it because I really wasn't overly, like, sold on it. Yeah, it That's when cool. I upgraded my system to the PS4. PS3. Just the to, PS3. No, PS3. that was... PS4 was Force Unleashed. Front. I just said Force Unleashed 2. So Force Unleashed 1 was PS3. Force Unleashed 2 was also PS3. The only time you upgraded for the PS3 to PS4. So then what did I upgrade to the PS4? Battlefronts. That's right, that's what the it was. The newer Battlefronts That's right, out. you're right. You're right. But, and the uh, reason you upgraded from PS1 to PS2 was... Bound and I gotta be honest with you, the thing that attracted me to Battlefront was the space battle part of it. That's what attracted me to Battlefront. And then you got yeah. into the space battle part of it, and you're kind of like, wow, that's disappointing. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, the map's like, really small. You yeah, have you so couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, and it was very limited in what you could do. And if you and went I outside just, the map, you blew up. Right. I, I, I was and never a huge second, fan of it. Even the second Battlefront didn't really improve on that. It no. gave you a bigger map, but you still kind of blew up. But it was all ground battles. There was not. There was like one space battle in the second Battlefront if, version. If you go into online and do hero dogfighters, and you can do still. There's whole net. There's a it whole was, slew of. It was very now. limiting. It wasn't. You yeah. know, this thing looks very much bigger, more multiplayer, more. It just looks bigger and better. Quite honestly, I'm 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 kind of excited to have a game just specifically dedicated to. The ship flying capabilities. Wasn't there I, that's a gonna PC be cool. game that came out with that? Yes, and I played it obsessively when I was in college. Yeah, it was called was... Tie Fighters versus X Wing. Oh. I even upgraded my entire tower on my PC just to play the dang game. And I imagine Mom loved you for that. Mom didn't know me that at that point. So okay. there. <laughs> um, so yes, so there was one. It was really good, but it also was back when sixty-four bit. And yeah, I think I've seen some like towards the end of 64 bit coming into the 128 bit generation. Vector graphics guy, yeah, vector graphics and stuff like that were still around, so it wasn't great, you know. It was it was when Dark Forces and all that stuff was out there too, so eh. Um, There was a there was a new another. I think somebody out of the I think Brian Stoyle put this out. There was a port of it to new PC. It had been remastered of that game. Maybe. And also Galaxy, Star Wars Galaxy was okay. also ported. Gary, what did you think of the trailer? I mean, you, you were watching it. Uh, well, I, I really don't remember watching it originally, so <clears throat> from what I saw, it looks it looks good. Look, it looks fun. What do you think of the trailer, Austin? Uh, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm willing to go pay the uh, advanced pricing for the uh, early release or whatever it is. The, I never do early release. I never but, do early yeah. release. Uh, let me ask you guys this one. is What's like the one thing seeing that trailer that you were kind of like, that's a cool idea. I'm glad they put that in there. What, what, do you, what was Ship the one thing? classes being dedicated to certain things. It sounds crazy. Ever since like Overwatch, they've been doing it. But having a ship dedicated to launching support craft, maybe even launching a droid so you can repair yourself when you're dying, right. when you're damaged, that's actually something really cool, and I'm hoping they... That might be very interesting to see how it plays out. Gary, what do you think is like one thing that you were kind of like, that's kind of a cool idea? The customization of your own ship. Yeah. Yeah, you, you laughed at the Ewok bobblehead that could be in your cockpit. Yeah, you I, I could totally like, see it, me doing that too. I was going to say, I don't think you would do it. I think you put it in there, but it has to have a bullet through a hole through its yes, forehead. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, one thing that I think a lot of people missed in the gameplay trailer was the fact that you could upgrade your ship almost oh. like your car in like uh, Grand Theft Auto or something like that. You could soup up. 
your, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you can grant you can do souping up your car, but you can only do so many. Sometimes if you put a certain upgrade on. Well, I think that's got to be the case here. Like, you know, you'll probably be able to do like maximum upgrades for bombs, say on a Tie bomber, but you won't be able to do that for like ion cannons. Let's say, you know. So I, I, I think it'll be kind of a cool. Th- yeah. It also like looks that. like you can get custom paint jobs. Well, right. That's, 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 that's all falls into the customization of what I was talking about. Right, right. Uh, I think that's what Gary was talking about, too. <laughs> I think he likes the idea that okay. he, could, he could do a custom paint job. And... I, I would think it would be very awesome if we could make one of our ships, or all of our ships have Falco symbols on them. Well, so I was going to say, I'm hoping that part of the paint job thing, kind of like any other game, lets you do logos, too. Which would be cool, or even your oh, your clan tag, tag yeah. on the outside, or something like that. So yeah, I'm I'm yeah. We're already like talking just amongst the three of us, going, "Well, we've got almost a whole full squadron right here. Yeah, we can squads do are five, so we yeah. need two more. So yeah, <laughs> I think it's a game I'll probably be getting fairly early, and I'm I'm gonna get into it and play it, and uh, maybe one of the ones my wife's dragging me away from the computer screen on, which she really hates when that happens. Yeah, you do that with a lot of games. I do. <laughs> <laughs> The next thing I wanted to talk about was the um, announcement that it's been officially uh, realized that LFL is going to come up with a new TV show. This can't be a surprise to anybody if you watched the last season of The Clone Wars. They decided they're going to do a whole season around Bad Batch. The rumor is it's going to be Bad Batch after Order 66. Ooh. So this is going to be post-Order 66. Like, well, how does Bad Batch play into kind of. the transition from clones into Stormtroopers? And so a lot of people are speculating, like, what would that mean? Like, does that mean Bad Batch goes rogue and goes, goes against the Empire? Ooh. Uh, now, one of the things that is a rumor that has been confirmed by some of the story writers is that Delta Squadron would also appear alongside oh. Bad Batch in the series. Essentially, at the tail end of the Republic Commandos game. Correct. That's that's mm-hmm. kind of like the implications, maybe, that, that we're talking about, that Order 66 has happened. So now what do these clones, who are the higher-end clones, what do they do, and how do they fit into the Empire, uh, you know, in, in amongst everything else? Does Vader, like, throw them off because he can't trust them because they were trained by the Republic? Or does he make them kind of like his ultra super to secretive police like force or whatever your, he's got, your, you know? Um, well, your, the question I got is, does Bad Batch have the chip in their head? Ooh. And that is a question, I guess, that's really never been... We don't know at this point, right? Because they're nulls. Right. So would they waste the money to put in their, their chip? What if the, they said in the Clone Wars series that the chip was put in, like, stage three or four embryos? So if they're nulls... They have developed past that point, so would the chip not be in there? That, because they they've gotten past stage three embryos, obviously. Yeah, well, you can tell if it's going to be a null or not right. by that point. You're thinking, I'm okay. Thinking, so yeah. All right. Yeah, there's a lot of questions that are that are at hand. The other thing is, is are they going to keep it accurate to the Republic Commando game and say, okay, Seb disappeared at the end of Republic Commandos? I, I do you have them personally? I don't think they care about the Commandos game. I, I'm just saying what? that. What, what, what I'm thinking is, is Delta Squad, under uh, Vader's uh, tutelage, tutelage or in charge, is sent after Bad Batch. That's what I was thinking mm-hmm. too. Like, what if what if Bad Batch goes rogue? So you have the and does commandos something versus the Bad Batch. It does something against them, and then they have to go after Bad right. Batch. I, I, I hate the word where they're going to go rogue. 
because they're already rogue. Yeah, You're right, because they're bad batch, they're rogue to begin with. So, and I don't think that they have the inhibitor chip on them, or whatever you want to call it, to actually execute 66. Mm. So therefore, they're just out there and screwing everything up for the Empire. So they send being, the Delta Squad after them. Being an early rebel group kind of thing? Could be. Do you think we could see Rex pop in and out of this series? And possibly even Ahsoka. That's what I was thinking, too. Because Rex could pop in and out to help save Bad Batch every now and again. And Ahsoka could pop in as a member of the Rebel Alliance that maybe helps out the Bad Batch every once in a while. Um, You know, and somebody even speculated, what if they decide to tie in, like, those storylines in Rebels with Fives and those guys into the Bad Batch as well? So like you could you could because they never really tell you what happened to Wolf and Krager. Wolf and Rex and Krager and and Fives and Fives those is guys. dead. Fives is dead, I guess. But the guys who are on that E A T or whatever, Wolf yeah, all Rex. those guys. Like you don't get any of that storyline. So what if Bad Batch manages to come out somehow fill in that storyline? Like how how do they get to that planet? How did they end up being there? How did you know? Could Bad Batch help guide Gregor home? And that is another question too. Does Gregor because Gregor was still on. Correct. What was the planet with the... Uh, I don't remember now, but I, yeah. So Maybe Bad Batch catches the uh, droidage in hyperspace. <laughs> maybe they rescue the and A-Wing the pilot. Queen. I was going to say, maybe they go get the A-Wing pilot. You know, the yeah. Queen of the Spiders. Yep. yep, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see as more information develops on that, like what that means for any of the other Star Wars and, TV shows. And maybe one of them wore a cowboy hat. I will say this. With, with all the things that are going on with Disney+, Plus. They have got to be the most active, like, television creation crew going on today. I mean, seriously. Yeah. And I know Netflix is cranking out series after series, but n- I'm, I'm telling you, none of them are getting the. Disney Plus is doing something, and I can't. I, I can't put my finger on it. I feel like they have more properties and more audience draw because it's. Disney. Well, I think it's an audience draw thing. I'll agree with you, but it just seems like they're cranking things out. Now, the weird thing is, yes, they're cranking them out, but we're not seeing them yet, and that's really kind of weird that we keep hearing all these great things that are going on at Disney Plus. But if you're a subscriber like I am, you're really not seeing it, and I don't want to say it's disappointing. It is a little bit disappointing. Because I've got all this material that I'm, you know, renting from Disney on Disney Plus, but I'm not seeing a lot of the great stuff that they told me I was going to see. Okay, so our last topic we wanted to talk about before we talk about the next episode, which, by the way, is the second to last episode of of uh, the, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. <laughs> we wanted to talk about a video that came out on CBR.com. Uh, it's titled "Why the DCEU's Future Is Brighter Than the MCU's." Now, go watch the video first. So, if you've never seen that video, uh, again, it'll be in the show notes. So, take a minute, go in the show notes, check it out. The pause button. <laughs> um, it's worth your ten minutes of time because I was kind of like, I think I was probably in the same mode of mind that a lot of you probably were, which is basically that is bullshit. Oh, yeah. And I kind of went, you know, no way. And I, I, you know, I watched it thinking this guy's gonna be full of himself. And but the more I watched it, the more I kind of went. He brings up some valid. Points. He might be onto something here, you know. Like and and so I, I, I thought we should talk about it because there's a lot of argument here that this guy makes that kind of is hard to refute. So the basic argument he's making is that Marvel has actually kind of kicked themselves in the foot. Because they they are sticking to this very strict 
timeline um, and this very strict storyline, and they've they've planned themselves out like what forty years in advance or something crazy like that. And the Kevin Feige has kind of put them into this, you know, hey, here's what it's going to look like. But then when you look at the grander scheme of what Marvel's got to do yet, it, it's actually kind of depressing because they've done some big things already and they've kind of drawn back because they've done these big things. So, like, when you think about they've introduced Captain America and now they've killed him. They've introduced Black Widow, but now they've killed her. They've introduced Hulk. But now he's both Hulk and Banner. But now he's Hulk and Banner. They, you know what I mean. So there's like this kind of weird, like, and I said this when I, when you know, Gary and I've talked about this. The problem with the Marvel, the MCU right now, the way it sits, now that we've seen Endgame, watching any of the movies really is almost pointless. Like it, it, you can't really revisit them now. Like before Endgame, I could revisit any Marvel movie and be happy to watch it a million times over. And I'd have been fine. But now that I've seen Endgame, and I know what the end process is, what happens at the end, going back and watching it all is kind of like, eh, because I know what happens at the end. So it's kind of like watching, you know, anything else before uh, A New Hope, you know what I mean? Because Or after before uh, Empire Strikes Back, because now you know that, you know, Darth Vader's... Luke's father, it kind of ruins everything else after that point, you know? Or the rumors coming out that everything after episode, after episode 6 to episode 9 is all done. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you guys feel the same way? Like, when Endgame came out, did it kind of ruin the rest of the MCU for you at that point? Like, Not at all. You don't think so, Austin? It didn't I've ruin it at all I've, for you? I've gone back and rewatched the films and I pick up on subtle notes of things that are hiding in the background that are leading up to the next step. And I feel like there's some things that are hidden in the background that have yet still to be used. Okay. Things like hammer drones that have not been discussed since Iron Man 2. The Mandarin since Iron Man 3. Things like that where we hinted it and then we never come back to it. I feel like they're going to come back after Endgame with a vengeance because Hammer doesn't have to compete with with Stark and pretty much Stark Industries is shut down by the time we see uh, Far Far From Home Pepper Potts is using a different company name not Stark Industries. Yeah. So Hammer has no competition. We could see the Hammer Drones coming back. We could see Hydra start using the Hammer Drones as weapons of evil. We could see the Mandarin actually show up in Shang-Chi and the Seven Rings. We were talking about that's a possibility. Well, I'm pretty sure he will. You have the lead into the Eternals, which would lead Black Knight into being in part of the Avengers. You could have that competition between Black Panther versus Black Knight being the leader. You You had said that that was one of the things... And you could start leading into the, like the ideas of what can go on after Endgame. We don't have Cap. We don't have Iron Man to lead us. Thor's not around. No one really trusts Hulk with leadership because I don't know. And you've taught, talked about, and shown the Ronin Hawkeye character. You have Hawkeye too because he has a daughter, who we saw in Endgame prior to her being disappeared and reappeared. And yeah, Gary, what do you think? Like, do you think do you think Marvel's like, after watching Endgame, do you think that the MCU's lost some of its appeal at this point? I, I used to have lost its appeal before Endgame came out. Cause yeah. Because after a few years, you, you go watch uh, Iron Man. It, the first one, yeah. yeah. It's okay. Best part of that whole thing was the old Iron Man suit. The very first Iron Man suit. Yeah, the Mark One. You know, um... 
And maybe the bunker buster bomb scene where he, you know, does the whole thing with the, you know, and everything blows up. But I agree with you. It it, uh, it doesn't hold up over time. Now it, it right. yeah, it seems to have lost some of its. But I still could I still could have watched that movie, where the DC movies, I couldn't watch them again. I get it. Yeah. I could not watch them at all, and uh, a second time. The only DC movie I can watch again is Aquaman. Not even yeah. Wonder Woman. Not, Not even, even Wonder, Wonder Woman. Oh. No, uh, I, I'll agree with you about Wonder Woman, and that's because uh, was it Ares is the bad guy there. Yeah. Uh, it's very disappointing yeah. and, and really didn't come across the right way. Not the Ares that we're used to reading in the comic books, and therefore uh, it's very disappointing to see that come out in a movie in I a very read weird, a comic weird book way. With Ares and it was Ares, like, downpowered? Or... Even the actual Olymp- Olympic god, Ares... You know, uh, was more powerful than this one was. Right. Okay. So I, maybe I didn't get that, but I feel like the issue that I see, and it's my problem with it, is DC is doing the throw it to the wall and it'll stick moment method. Oh, we'll it, talk about DC in a minute. You're jumping okay. ship here. Sorry. Um, so let me ask you guys no, this. No, no. Hold, hold up. Oh, let me finish on this. Go ahead. The only other DC or uh, Marvel movie I can watch, and you guys are going to be funny. You're going to be hysterical to hear for me. And that's Spider-Man. <laughs> what? Really? How come? Gary can actually watch Spider-Man. Because I think Tom Holland is the, is the ideal actor for Spider-Man. I agree with you on that Yes. One. I agree. And I also... You know, we just watched Far From Home again, and mm-hmm. and I gotta say, he's getting better, too, as, as the movies have gone on. You know, we're like... Right. Uh, when you go back and you look at who was the first Spider-Man, I... I uh, Tony McGuire. Thank you. I, I block him out of my mind, because... But he actually got worse, I think, as time went on. Like, at first, I was kind of like I bought into him. The first two were really good. No, I'll tell you, the first one was good. The second one started to... I started to lose it. By the third one, I was kind of like, I'm out. Like, I, I, Tobey Maguire just did not... The third one, we all agree, is pretty bad. <laughs> I just... He didn't do it. I don't know. I, I don't even know how to explain it. I, I don't know if it was a personal thing with Tobey Maguire or just the way he acts or something, but it just... You have a personal thing with Tobey Maguire? I, I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on it. Why he drove me crazy as Spider-Man. Now, let me ask you guys this question. Do you think Marvel... The guy brought up a valid point towards the end of the video. I was kind of like, oh, he's got a valid point there. Have they painted themselves into a corner because they didn't have part of their franchise that they now have? For example, they didn't have the mutants before, and now they've got them back. They didn't have Doctor Doom before, but now they've got him back. They didn't have the Fantastic Four, but now they've got him back. Are they kind of in a bad spot now because they did all of that with Thanos and all of that with Endgame, but they didn't have the mutants to play with, and so now are they painted into a corner where you just can't introduce the mutants now? Because when you think about it, he made a valid point about the mutants have a historical context. In other words, you can't do Charles Xavier and uh, Magneto without World War II playing a major role in the introduction of those two. You can't play Wolverine off without the idea of the Weapon X program which happened during the Cold War. So there's there's a lot of things here that historically have had to already happened in the MCU in order to reintroduce these characters back into the Marvel Universe. Again, it's something as simple as uh, just throwing a newspaper article out and uh, ex- to explain them or uh, 
a TV clip, a news clip on TV in, a, in the background or something. Yeah. It's all, I, that's all they really I, need to do. I would say to introduce Xavier and Magneto, you could have radio chatter of them just getting home after World War Two, and you're hearing how Cap died in the great heroic way to end World War Two, and that would be enough. That would clip it in, and you could even introduce it through, like, Doctor Strange's multiverse yeah, you gotta of remember, madness. You could introduce again. Kang. You gotta remember what what we're dealing with here are two different worlds of thought because Xavier and the mutant ideal. And correct me if I'm wrong on this one, Gary. The idea behind the mutants was to reprise the role of Jews during the Holocaust. Correct? Like mutants were kind of the Jews, right? Like they were the castaway of society. They, they, they tried to gather them up and execute like the, them, basically, it right? More like the Morlocks. Than the, well, well, okay. Let me answer your dad's question. Turn. Yes, in a way, but it's not just the Jewish people, but it's all minorities. And, Thank uh, you. I was, I was going to say that. I, I did kind of say Jews only. It's minorities in general. It was the way we cast it, off minorities, right? Yeah, well, like, just, just look at it, right? You got the... the African American slaves hmm. throughout all history. So you get the mutants that represent them. You have the mutants that represent the Jewish people from the Nazis' aspect that they're uh, a lesser race. Uh, all throughout time, the, the mutants are the ones that are just the throwaway society that that nobody wanted. I'd even go so far to say, at some points, I think mutants represented bullies. Well, the bullied, I should right. say. The people that were bullied, kind and everybody like, else is the bullies, also, you know? That also, like, I also feel like it's also a way to say that teenagers go through different things for during puberty, so... Yeah, well, it, that's... that's I kind of feel like that was why it was also as well. You know what's really weird about the X-Men and why I connected with the X-Men? Mm. Because at one point in time, Wolverine calls himself a freak. I'm a freak, and I know it, and I'm okay with it. And I always thought as a teenager, I'm a freak, I know it, and I'm okay with it. And so I connected with that. Like, that made me connect with the X-Men in general because it made me start to realize that, wow, that's what the mutants, like, they all feel that way. And as a teenager, when you're feeling that way and you're feeling like a freak and nobody's like you at all, you're looking for anything yeah. that makes you feel that way. And so these comics, I think, connected with teenagers because of that. I can see that. And and, and that's where I see the X-Men, anyway. Even the, the kid in uh, uh, Deadpool 2. Correct, uh, yeah. Science teenage warhead? No. No. The kid. Oh, oh. Yeah, that he's trying to help out. The, the, okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he, he just wanted to fit in. Right. And he'd been bullied all his life, so he just, and okay, I've had enough of your crap, and this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Kind of frack this. So. Now, what they could do, since they opened up the multiverse, mm -hmm. is the same way that DC is connecting all their franchise. I know you don't want to talk about this yet, Bob, but... Well, it's a good, because it's a segue I was going to use, so go ahead. Because you got the multiverses, so you don't have the X-Men in the Avengers movies. No. Now you can, because you got the multiverse. Do you do you think that Marvel could get away with like just introducing the X-Men over here while Avengers timeline is going on over here? Ooh. Run them parallel, and then at some point, just merge Secret the two. Wars. They could do that, or what I would do is make an X Men movie or whatever. Um, 
that corresponds with what happened in the first Avengers. No, I get what you're oh. saying. Okay. You know? And have small illusions and, and, in the background. And kind of have them kind of like play catch up with each other. Yeah. But they never met. Which a lot of times the Avengers and the X Men never did meet. Right. They never met up. I was going to say, there's other. not a lot with the Avengers Psychopedia I have in my room. There's not a lot of mutants that were Avengers. Beast is one. No, no, I'm not even talking about that part. Oh. No, he's just talking about. You never. The Avengers never ran into a mutant baddie. Or a good guy. Right. Oh, yes, this is true. All right. Or vice versa. Right. Until probably the late, late like 80s, 80s, 90s. Yeah. So you 90s. could essentially say... The first guy, I think, that went across all spectrums was Doctor Doom, I believe. Was the first bad guy that became a bad guy for the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers. Like, he was the first one, I'm pretty sure, no. went across all of them. I'm going to say no. Who do, you th- who do you think it was? Namor. Yeah, but was Namor a bad guy when he? I, yeah, I don't. He yes, he was. Between the line, yes, he was. He I'm, was, I'm he, saying when he met the X Men, I'm not sure he was a bad guy at that point, though. He still didn't trust him. He, he was he was a pretty bad guy. I'm I'm pretty sure. What about Juggernaut? Okay. I thought Juggernaut had kind of played through many no, of the series. No, Juggernaut. I don't even think really ended up in an Avengers comic ever. Huh? Yeah, I'm pretty sure of that. And that's the thing, you know, like the way Stanley wrote these comics, each. How do I put this? Each, like, yes, there was a multiverse, but each but title each title ties. had its own thing. Like, you didn't. It didn't. Spider Man did not need the Avengers in order right. to survive. I, I, Avengers I, didn't need to have X Men in order to survive. You know, like I, I guess the first crossover between any of them would have been in Spider Man and Amazing Friends. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's true because that's where we saw Iceman and Firestar and Firestar with Spider Man. Right. And then yeah. later on, you run into a Cap and a Hulk and yep. and stuff like Could that. We see a return of the Firestar, Iceman, and Spider Man team later on. Of course, as much as I'd love that, I don't see them. Doing. I know. Okay, I, I do know that they are talking about bringing Firestar into the the movies. Are they really? Yes. It would be cool to see the three of them team up. Even if it's just for a fight, a one fight, yeah, right? Like, like one movie where they're all like have up. them all fight Electro, <laughs> would just be cool. And say, "Hey, we're amazing friends." Right. <laughs> no, we're not. Like almost like mock <laughs> it out, yeah. you know, mock it out it to a be, little it bit. It would be awesome if it's like Spider-Man says, "So you're my amazing friends," and Firestar goes, "Nah." Let's talk about the DCEU then a little bit because Marvel's got its out. It's got its multiverse, and this guy brought up a valid point that. DC's got its out, too. It, it has the Flashpoint Paradox, which then creates the Crisis... Well, I, I shouldn't say the Crisis. There's the Infinite Earth theory, which, of course, Crisis and Infinite Earth, one of the ideas was to bring all the Earths together and like make sure there's only one Superman and one Green Arrow. Because there was a point in time, in the comics at least, that there were so many different Supermans and so many different Superwomen and Supergirls and Flashes and Green Lantern and Lantern Corps. And, yeah. I mean, it was just like... It's actually why I lost interest in the DCEU in the late 80s, early 90s, because at some point in time, you just couldn't keep up anymore. Well, like, you, you have, just... It was too much to follow. And so Barry Allen Flash, Wally West Flash, Gay J. Garrick Flash. Oh, I'm saying not Max even Mercury. The, not not even the TV shows. Like when you just look at the comic Those books. Were, that was a comic book here. No, I know. I'm just saying it just it was incredibly insane to follow. And, and I gotta be honest, and Gary, correct me if I'm wrong. We also had 
several different incantations of groups. So you had the Justice League of America, you had the Justice League, you had the Justice Society of America, you had the Justice Society of something, and I forget what it was. The the main teams were Justice League America, Justice League Europe, JSA, and just the plain Justice League. That's what it was. Okay. They were the so, they were the main group. they were the main groups, but I mean, but then there were ultimate. Well, then there were ones that were on other Earths. <laughs> Remember that? Like yeah. we were, we went through that for a while. I was like, ah. Well, you know, that, that, like, that's when they invented the uh, whole uh, uh, Earth two or three. Right. Four. There was Earth, several Earths. Right. Yep. Wasn't there an Earth where there's Superboy and he transferred over to one of the other universes and then worked as a sidekick for Superman. Yes, and then, and then one of them, and that's he, how we find the red tornado on one of them, and, and yeah. It, okay, it, I can begin to see the problem in the comic books. Right, so I mean, many it's, heroes. as cool as it was, even the comic book writers said, crap, <laughs> we need to fix this. So that's why they created Crisis on Infinite Earths, because they needed to consolidate all these characters so that there was only one Flash, there was only one Green Lantern, there was only one Superman, there was only one Wonder Woman. Right. And, and I thought that more for the DC editor at the time than anything else, because why, why let this artist do this drawing of Superman where he's got no cape and his underwear on underneath the pants? Where know, Ang Lee yeah. would write would draw him with with the classic look from the seventies, right? Right, and that's yeah. And it was, and it, that was a big problem. I, I, I think with the DC Comics, I think it's why they lost readers, quite honestly, as they made it almost impossible to follow, and it was it, it was too confusing. Yeah. Um, and wasn't there several different ways to cause that issue? Like, there was Flashpoint Paradox. Oh, there were several stories. Crisis, yeah, there were several crisis, stories crisis, that dealt Earth. with yeah, how but, to but, deal with the timelines and the Earth. And, but, yeah. but that's how they fixed it, though. Great, but correct. what they let, let the the writer and the artist do was just go ahead and do their own story, right? And it had nothing to do with Man of Steel or Superman or whatever you want to call it. Okay, all right. Yeah, there, there was at one time there was I think there was like Spider Man. It had like five different comic books of Spider Man, which is. Which is kind of what they've been doing with the movies, right? Like, I mean, like, at times I look at the comic books for DC and I go, well, what they're doing in the movies kind of makes sense. Because the comic books really weren't organized in any fashion. I mean, honestly. Do you think they're cherry-picking some of these things out of the comic books? Yes. I do, yeah. Do you think they're, like, cherry-picking looks of the outfits? They're cherry-picking... I think it. I think they're leaving it up to... powers are used? I, I think they're leaving it up to each director. So if Josh Whedon likes this power that Superman had, he uses that a lot more. Right. Uh, you know, if this director likes what the, Shazam did with this, then we do it that way, you the, know? The, the one thing I took out of this whole thing, because I haven't really followed Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League and stuff. Yeah. But... He, from what I took of it, he had a well-balanced team. Yes. Where he had, you know, 30 minutes of Wonder Woman, 30 minutes of Batman, 30 minutes of Superman, 30 minutes of Cyborg, 30 minutes of The Flash. All right? It was balanced that way. Yes. All right. When he had that emergency where he had to leave the film, they brought Josh Whedon in, and he didn't like Cyborg. Not, not the actor or anything, but the character. Character, yes. The character cyborg. So he cut that all out. Yep. Which made the uh, actor mad because he's no longer. He's not a major part of the film. Right. He's not he, equal. He, he, he just left it with the Holy Trinity, which was Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Yes. Everybody else was just. It was. It Gary, was you just nailed it just, right on the head. That's the story right there. It was That's Dawn exactly. Justice it. 2.0, really. 
And and the worst part of that that movie that could have been amazing is, from my understanding, and I'm that's why I can't wait for the Snyder cut. And the Snyder cut, they're actually you're gonna see the the Justice League actually work together more. So mm-hmm. like where like maybe Batman pulls up a mirror and Superman uses his laser eyes and Batman bounces it off to the bad guy oh. and Wonder Woman uses her rope and throws the guy at Flash who hits him at, you know, Mach 4 and breaks him in two, you know, like or, um, like kind of like when Iron Superman Man would 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 shoot his, you know, yeah, lasers at Cap right. and he'd use his shield and bounce Beat it, right? Refractions, Correct. Like it. if you remember when we watched that fight in the dome with all the creatures coming in, uh, right? Age of Ultron no, no, I'm talking about Justice no. League. I haven't watched Justice League. Okay, well, there, there's a fight in the dome. You really got to watch that movie. There's a fight in the dome, and all the creatures come in, and they're 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 attacking him. But the problem was, Superman's doing his thing over here. Batman's doing his thing over here. Wonder Woman's doing her thing. Aquaman's doing his thing. But they're not working together. There's no teaming going on, and it felt very disjointed. So that you just kind of get flash, 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 flash all over the place. Not the character, but the camera, and and you're just focusing on different things, but you're not really seeing the Justice League work as a team. And I think that's where a lot of people were kind of like, this isn't like Avengers, because in Avengers, they're constantly working with each other. Throw the guy up, let Hawkeye shoot him, let Colt get him, you know, like, there were all these things that they do as a team that made them feel like a team, and that never happened in Justice League. Never happened. The thing that I can think of most, ironically, doesn't come out of Avengers, because of Avengers Age of Ultron. The first scene where they're going in, Cap throws two guys up in the air, and blasts them into the air and keeps flying forward. Now, uh, I do heard a rumor that there's a certain character in the Zack Snyder cut that wasn't even in Josh Whedon's. Okay, what what character, character is that? Green Lantern, played by yeah. Ryan, played by Ryan Reynolds. Yes, that's <laughs> that. I, from my understanding, there was going to be. I don't know if it'll make the Snyder cut. I think it is because um, Ryan Reynolds kind of said that. Am I in the Zack Snyder cut or am I not? Okay, I can see. <laughs> they did. They, from my understanding, they shot some scenes with him. Did they keep the the CGI CGI? It's the, the CGI suit. So yeah. it's right out of the Green Lantern movie from before. Yep. It, Snyder yes, wanted to connect but, the Green Lantern right. movie. He did. And and technically, it was supposed to be part of that that group that timeline. Okay. So I, I yeah I mean I mean I didn't. It would be interesting and, to see him in there. And in the in the. Um, flashback when uh, Wonder Woman and Aquaman are talking about the uh, mother boxes and stuff. Yeah. There was a Green Lantern in prison. Yep. I have not watched the movie. i got to sit down and watch it. Yes, you do. <laughs> but this is just shows how much I really don't watch DC movies because of the very same reason he brings up. But you got to watch it because it's bad. <laughs> so you got to see how bad it is. So you're saying I should do the Mystery Science Theater 3000 we watch No, I'm no saying just watch it, it for what it is. <laughs> And understand that that's what it is. I, I, I tell you what, Austin, if you make it a, a, some sometime on the weekend, I'll come down and watch it with you. There you go. I got Sunday off. So <laughs> you, you, you'll be watching a movie, and I'll be taking a nap. Yes, Gary will be watching <laughs> the back of his eyelids. So, so, ultimately, do you guys think that he's on to something? Is DC maybe like one of the things he, he mentioned in the in the video? Was that DC by letting itself as open as it is? So they're not, they're not, they don't care about timelines, and they could crisis on infinite earths at any time and solve all their problems. 
And actually, the crisis on Infinite Earth for the CW actually helped to solve a lot of the issues that the DC Universe had. Uh, do you guys think that's helpful for DC to be able to be a little more open like that as opposed to Marvel, who's very like, this is our timeline, this is what we're doing, we're sticking to this story, and that's the way it's going to be? I, I think the biggest problem with Marvel was that they did not acknowledge the TV shows. I agree with you there. If they acknowledge the TV shows, they want to have a lot of. You're problems. talking even the Netflix series shows, or are you just talking oh. all of them? I I think they needed to incorporate Daredevil I, and and the Defenders into what they were doing. I think they needed to incorporate Agents of Shield more. I, although I will say this, Winter Soldier was masterfully done, but they needed to do. I, I don't want to say they needed to go that level with the rest of it, but they needed. Agents of Shield to play a role in the in in the end game scenario, and quite honestly, they're over here, and they're not even like it's, it's, it's time traveling right, right. Now. It's it's off to the side. I really think it's why Inhumans didn't take off. I don't think Inhumans was that bad of a show, but because they didn't integrate it into the D, the Marvel MCU in any way, shape, or form, it made it look like it was just this throwaway thing that wasn't necessary. And I think that's Gary. You're you're getting to a point on that one. It makes all the TV shows feel very unnecessary. Whereas right? like the CW yeah. shows kind of felt like they had some Where, presence. Correct. Where when you look at the DC TV shows, they're very necessary. They're very necessary. Look at where any of the the lore for DC would be. Would it not have been for Smallville, that then introduced Green Arrow? Which then led to Stephen Which then introduced, I mean, a myriad of other people, including Aquaman. Uh, who else was, like, introduced in that? Uh, Dr. Fate showed up in that series. Um, I, I, Supergirl was in it. Supergirl. I mean, like, they're... they're Lois Lane. <laughs> they're, Lois Lane. I mean, there are so many things that the, the TV show side of DC introduced and opened up that helped the movie side become a bigger yeah. deal with what it was going on now it doesn't mean the movies weren't doing well prior to that they were i mean they they did great things quite honestly when you go all the way back to christopher reeves right i mean dc at one point in time was the superhero hit movies i mean honestly when we were younger marvel sucked they were awful well the one they thing were I, the awful mgm captain america movie it was oh yeah, that, that thing's the embarrassing. Red, the Red Skull. <laughs> that movie's embarrassing. Terrifying. There's a Thor movie from back then, by the way. It's embarrassing as well. I think I've seen bits and pieces. Um, of it. Well, but the, the Thor meets the Incredible Hulk. Yes, that, that's awesome. That's, oh my gosh, because <laughs> Thor, uh, Thor is the Norse the Norse Ferrigno. Thor. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Lou Ferrigno meeting uh, this Norse uh, mythological Thor. Come, come on, the, the, oh my the, gosh. The best, the best line in that is Thor going a banner. Hey, I like a green troll. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But that that whole series was awful, right? But then when at the same time, if you think about what's going on, right? At the same time, you've got the Wonder Woman TV show. Oh, yeah. Okay? And then not too long after that, you're looking at Christopher Reeves' Superman. Not too long after that, you're looking at... Uh, Keaton's Batman. Keaton's Batman, which then leads into Penguin and Catwoman. I mean, like, all like, of that. Do you think I mean, DC tried doing it that way at first? Like, tried going the way Marvel is? Realize they're gonna box themselves in, and then did this. No, they, or no. they just scatterbrained and decided D to shoot thing of the wall. DC was just scatterbrained on everything. Yeah. Right, and then they just. It's why they reintroduced Superman. What four, five times? Yeah. 
I mean, something crazy like that. They've reintroduced Batman how many times? Like your mom said, she can't stand seeing pearls hit the ground anymore. I mean, seriously, (laughs) that whole storyline's old. It's old. We have yet to introduce, outside of the anime TV series, Martian Manhunter... Oh, there's a ton of characters. Supergirl, sorry. Supergirl did. I'm apologizing. Go ahead. Go ahead, I'll I'll correct you. Can't remember. Well, the one I was going to say that's major... I mean, we've introduced him, but I don't like their introduction of him as Lex Luthor. Yes. Which he was introduced in the Supergirl TV show. I haven't seen that. i got to go back and watch that, that... Because that was the season I gave up on it. I was going to say, you gave up really <laughs> I gave up on, on the show. That, like, I did. LGBTQ I am so thing. angry because it wasn't about Supergirl anymore. And apparently it's gotten better. But yeah, they introduced Lex Luthor. But John Cryer is a Lex Luthor. I'm not sure I'm completely buying it. He's, um, I, I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. A lot better than Eisenberg. Well, the Eisenberg, I don't even... I, again, yeah, yeah. what the heck happened there? What, where, mm, was Eisenberg mm. the one from... Batman, Batman v Superman. Yeah, Batman v okay, Superman. The one who was like red coats are coming. Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's so many bad guys in the DC universe we haven't seen that could be amazing. Brainiac. Dark side. Dark side could be amazing. Brainiac. Why haven't we ever seen Brainiac full on? Well, Brainiac isn't Supergirl. See, there he goes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gary's over here staring me down. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Like, there, there's so many other bad guys. Like, there was a whole. Um, they had. Members of the Squadron Supreme and Supergirl. Okay. All right. I'm thinking, like, you know, you, the League of Doom there from the 70s cartoon. Wild, back of the League of Doom. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, think about all the... I mean, yeah, we've seen Black Manus now. Who else have we not seen from Cheetah? the League of Doom? Cheetah, I don't think we've seen. We will see her in 84. I was going to say, I've... Well, that's right, she'll be in 84. Um... Now, I will admit... Okay, so here's the other one. <laughs> With Stargirl doing what she's doing, right? Yes. I gotta tell you, I, Gary, I know you've been watching the show. Are you, are you as hooked on that show as we are? Like, I'm loving every second of that show right now. I keep screaming for the kid to put on Dr. Fate's helmet. I do. Oh, I keep, boy. yeah. Put on Fate's helmet. I want, her, I want her brother to put on Fate's helmet and become Dr. Fate. That That's what I'm screaming about, but... Uh, who's Dr. Fate? He, he, I, I know who Dr. Fate is, but who... I don't know who's gonna do it. That's the thing. Who's the girl? What's the girl with the goggles on? Uh, oh, that's Doctor uh, Manhattan. Doctor Man- no. Doctor Midnight. Sorry, Doctor Midnight. Right. Okay. There's too many doctors. Yeah. People got to stop earning their Doctor? doctoral Doctor? degrees in Doctor? the DC universe. I just feel like we're doing um, that Muppets in space. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Space. Yeah. Okay. Doctor. Well, Doctor. I, I didn't know who she was supposed to be. I knew she was somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor Midnight. The, gog- the goggles is Chuck. But Chuck. It's yeah. The alter ego of Doctor oh, Midnight. Yeah. yeah. I um, want her to go into the JSA. I, 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 I think the brother is going to be uh, Stripey Point Two. Oh, okay. Oh, Stripey Point Two. Okay. Because the other thing we were theorizing is maybe he'll put on the Green Lantern ring and become that Green and become Lantern the version. older Green version of Green Lantern, which uh, which would completely undo the because everybody wants to undo the Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Why not do it hey, with can. the old Cape version, right? It's canon. It is canon. You're right. So. Um, so, all right. What are the other kids? Well, th- that's our thoughts there on, on several of those topics. So, uh, Wolford Brimley, uh, we talked a little bit about the trailer for Star Wars Squadrons. We Bad talked Batch. about Bad Batch as a TV show. Uh, and then we talked about the DCEU versus the MCEU. I feel like we always talk about DCEU versus MCEU. Well, but it's kind of hard not to, you know? Okay, so with all that, we're going to take a break. And we'll be back in just a little bit to review the latest episode of Star Wars The Mandalorian. For us, it's episode 7. So we'll be back in just a moment. Look, 
What's that ahead? Are those asteroids? No, they're commercials. We'll be right back. Hey, bro, dogger. What's that you're eating? Oh, you mean this colorless amino acid-rich grain with a light, slightly crunchy texture? It's quinoa. Quinoa. That's right, quinoa, the colorless amino acid-rich grain that's sweeping college campuses and other young places everywhere. I thought quinoa was just for adults and hippies. I got a lot of questions. Shoot. Is a fiber in quinoa soluble or insoluble? Quinoa has both soluble dietary fiber and insoluble dietary fiber. Is it gluten-free? 100%. But is it cool? Gee, I don't know. Is helping to prevent migraines and providing significant cardiovascular benefits for postmenopausal women cool? Totally! So can I have some? Sorry, just finished the box. Kidding. The box is in the pantry. Quinoa. It's a colorless amino acid rich grain with a light, slightly crunchy texture. Buy it in the boxes it's sold in. I'm a VIP, and I want to live around people just like myself. Rich and divorced. Shady Acres. I'm Everett Carrington. Shady Acres is an incredible, upscale, state-of-the-art, top-notch condominium developer. A short drive out of town on some pristine wetlands. Away from the noise and uninvited diversity of the city. Shady Acres. And when you buy into that dream that is Shady Acres, not only do you get a luxurious 5,000 square foot condo with underground parking for your newly acquired sports car, but there's also a jacuzzi for entertaining. Jacuzzi. Each condo is tastefully furnished with a stock bar and an exotic waterbed shaped like a dollar sign. Shady Acres also has a golf range, firing range, helipad, and exotic petting zoo when your kids come to visit. You're successful? Start defining your lifestyle. Start defining yourself. Shady Acres. Shady Acres. Happiness is worth the price. Hey guys, we're going back to the battle on planet Endor. Fighter Scout reports, Ewok revolt. Our troops report to base. Yeah, glider tech, kick the dirt. Our furry friends are great allies, Leia. Accessories and action figures all sold separately. Man, the catapult wicked fire. The bunkers hit bad. Let's blow the force shield. We did it. The Empire's finished this time. Speeder bike, Ewok combat glider, assault catapult, and action figures sold separately. Only from Kenner Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world.
Thank you for your patience during our galactic promotions. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back as we decide to talk about this episode of The Mandalorian. This is Chapter 7, titled The Reckoning. Alright, so I gotta say, of all the Mandalorian episodes we've watched so far this whole season, this is the biggest cliffhanger ever, and even my wife was just kind of like, no! Oh, when was, we got to the end of this episode. Was this the one we watched when we were at Uncle Mike's and Aunt Trisha's house? We got to the end of it, it's like, no, I don't want to go home. Want to it might be, yeah. Yeah, because even, <laughs> even Aunt Trisha, I think, was upset. Because yeah. at the end, you see the the Ugnaught lying on the ground, and you have no idea what's happened to the asset, and they're pinned down in the... Well, we see the asset get picked up by the speeder bikes, and that's the end shot. Right. So it's kind of like there were a lot of things that were just left, like, just, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, that was a Mad Max uh, tribute return. What, getting picked up like that? Well, you see the, the Ugnaught, they're just laying down the road. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a Mad Max tribute? Yeah, and two, bike, two bikes driving around. Oh, okay. I guess I never thought saw that as a Mad Max tribute, but okay, yeah. I'll buy it on that. The first, the, first, the first Mad Max. We've had this discussion. I'm not a Mad Max fan. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> I'm sensing some hostility here. Can I leave the room so you can talk I think about? Gary's still not happy with me about not being a Mad Max fan. So we start off with this episode with the idea that the Mando's got to meet with Klee Garga, whatever his name is, because he wants to bring the asset. He wants them to bring Something the asset in. Gar- Jarus or Garus. Yeah, whatever. And he's going to bring the asset in, and that's that's kind of like the whole point of the whole episode. Is he's going to bring the asset in, and but the Mandalorian knows. He had to know this was a trap from the minute he was starting this. That's why he goes out. He recruits uh, Clara Doom character. I thought, you know, I told Gary that when you first get into meeting her in that that scene, I was not a huge fan of that fight scene. And this is the one, if you forgot, Austin, because you hadn't watched the episode, where they're tied together, together, right, with that electric rope thing that's not really an electric rope at all. It looks like the thing for the pod racers. Kind of, yeah, but it it doesn't hurt them, so, like, they're not even going to have their tongue go numb if they touch it. Um, It was a a Texas bull rope fight. Yeah, but and the weird thing is that she could use it to strangle the guy, but then when they wanted it to, it just disappeared. Uh, You know, and Gary's like, well, what, what upset you about it? I said, it's just that rope didn't didn't hold any it didn't serve a purpose at all i couldn't figure out what the heck that purpose of that that rope was i said it would actually have just been cooler honestly just chain the two of them together i was gonna say I and then sh- she could have reversed leia the guy like you know kind of like leia did to but java I, I, you know and i think it was just a friendly combat fight it wasn't really a fight to the death thing though really because i thought the guy died no, no he, he tapped out oh okay he and, tapped then, and that's why it disappeared yeah. All right, all right. I think it was, I, maybe, It was I don't a, bit, know. a bit of a non-lethal way to keep them from running from the fight. Yeah. Or running over to the bar and grabbing a bottle and smashing it over the head and turning into a I ball guess. Ball. I just, I don't know. I didn't like the little light whip thing there. It's just kind of weird. Although, the funniest, one of the funnier things that happens in this episode happens right after that because the guy that she beats comes over and, and lays down the money on the table and, and you see the asset going... Uh, trying to reach for the money. I just thought, if you really weren't paying attention, you would not have caught that, and I just thought I it was so cool. I remember that, actually. Yeah, it was almost like he was trying to, like, force reach for the money and was hoping it would just kind of come into his hand. Yeah, so you could buy some chicken nuggets. Well, it, 
it's kind of like later when the guy looks at him, you know, and, and we know it's coming, where he looks at him and he goes, you know, do your thing, and he goes, Ugh. you know, like... Do the was, magic hands! Right, he was almost like he was trying to do the magic hands to the oh, money, no, and it wasn't episode. working. It's in the next episode. It is in the next episode. <laughs> so, you know, it, I just thought it was funny. I don't know why I found that hysterical. I've watched this episode a lot, like, a lot of these episodes I've watched a lot. Um, but for yes. some reason, I find that particular part of that scene just very comical for some reason. So then they decide to go... Because she's talking to the Mandalorian, and, he, and she doesn't even know it. And they go down, and they're looking at guns, and they're talking about this whole thing's a trap and all that. And, of course, the ship goes way off course. And this is the first time I picked up on why. Well, I, I, well, well first, first, as they're talking to each other, yeah, the asset sticks his head down yeah, to, he does. through the floor. Yeah, it's... And looks at him and like, Ooh, still my, she's still my guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he goes back upstairs, and and all of a sudden the ship darts off in this weird course, and Isn't the Mandalorian it? has to go back up there. And I, ne- I I told Gary for all the times I watched this show, I never noticed that the asset is literally like got both hands on the the joystick and is going like this <laughs> the whole time. For those who have no video, he's just shaking it around. It's like, and it's like no wonder. And and that's like- when she's like, we got to have somebody watch this thing because well, he can't trust it. You know. Well, by- I must say though, Bob's impersonation of the asset on the yoke. You're welcome. Was, 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 was awesome. Yes, that's, if you don't that's have video, you gotta get it. Yes, go to our yeah. YouTube channel. Go to YouTube. Yeah, check out, search up Galaxy's Ass. So, because that's kind of what the thing was doing the whole Look, time. It looks like it looks he's like trying a, to do like the Ewok on the speed bike. Yeah, yeah. It looks like he's turning butter. Yeah, that's what it is. Sure. <laughs> I may have so. had a different interpretation of him looking down. I thought it was he kind of understands something bad's happening, so we gotta move. We gotta get away. So anyway, she's no, suggested no, he, he is very jealous of anybody <laughs> that pays attention to Mandalorian. Yes, yes, he is, and I think that comes across later in a scene uh, we're gonna talk about later. That you're that's one of your favorite parts of this episode, Gary. Yep. Uh, so we decide we're gonna go pick up the. Ugnot. Uh, What's his name? Clark Garga, whatever. Right? No, I I <laughs> no. can't remember his name. Hang on, let me pull up the IMDb here. Nick Nolte. Yeah, Nick Nolte's character. What is that? Uh, Quill. Quill. Yeah, Quill. That's right, Quill. Uh, So they go pick up Quill, and Quill, the whole idea of picking up Quill is that Quill is going to uh, look after him, but then what we find out is Quill's not even really wants to look after the asset. Instead, he has completely re. How do I put this? He's he revamped the entire IG-11 that was left behind. He rebuilt it because many of its wiring was destroyed. Right. And he, he rewired it. He changed its train of thought. It's now not going to kill. It will protect. It will serve. It's a nanny droid. Um, yeah, and, and it's kind of weird because, of course, the Mandalorian doesn't like droids to begin with, and now he's going to trust a droid to look after the asset, which... And he really doesn't at first. He's very fighting about Oh, I still it. think he doesn't trust the droid at all, to be honest with you. Pretty Even much this whole episode, I don't feel like he trusts the droid entirely. No. So, <laughs> they, uh, they pick up the droid, he talks Quill into coming with them. They bring Blurgs. And they bring the Blurgs with them. And so then they go off and fly to the Mandalorian's planet. Now, on the way there... They're playing a friendly game of uh, arm wrestling, arm wrestling. Yeah. and uh, I think the asset kind of scares the crud out of Cara Dune's character because well, she was getting over the. She was, uh, getting, she was starting to win. Yeah. Yep, and and the the asset got jealous, and I, I Gary and I have talked about this. 
I'm not sure if in the process of him trying to help Cara Dune, if he accidentally chokes her, or if he purposefully chokes her. I thought it was he saw her as an enemy. See, that's how I think Gary interprets it, correct? Yep. He's, yeah, that's right. He sees him as an enemy. And I am I personally want to think better of the creature. <laughs> and I want to say that he didn't know his own strength. And in his effort to try to get the Mandalorian's arm to come down and hers to come down, he also accidentally choked her. Like you know, gave himself too much into right, the like, force. Yeah, reached out a little too far into the force mm-hmm. in order to get the Mandalorian to win. That's my interpretation. Because um, he has a, a, a ticked off look at it. <laughs> he really does. He does. He's kind of irked. I'll give you that. He does look pretty perturbed. I think it kind of has to reflect on him using the Force every once in a while. The face has to really, like, when he was using it as the Mudhorn, he was really focused. His eyes were shut. He looked very stoic, almost. The only time he pain. didn't have to do that was later on in this episode when he healed Cleek Garga. Yeah. Uh, and that, uh, that's Grief that Cargus. Grief Cargus, whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, in the background, during this whole thing, Quill is building a new crib. No, so, not yet. Not yet? I thought Quill he steps in, and that's when the Mandalorian's like, now you see what I'm dealing with. Quill's like, I've recognized this before, I've seen it before. You know, Gary, you brought up an important point that as we were watching this tonight that I had never thought of fully until, because I thought of kind of in the back of my head, but never really, I guess, articulated it. What was your thought about... what? Well, all three of them have, right. were alive with Jedi's around. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mandalorians been around since the Clone Wars. The Jedi's were main major league in, in the Clone Wars. There's Vader running around the galaxy, choke, choking everybody around. You got a Republic shock trooper who the the Jedi's were in and out of the Republic. Right. So how could none of them have seen? A Jedi. a Jedi up until this point. Or, or a Force user, period. Right, right. Some sort of Force user somewhere along the way. You know, even if it was one that was getting killed by Order 66. You know, I, I just... Uh, and then I said to Gary, so what makes that even more unfathomable is they're all acting like they've never seen a creature like Yoda before. Here's the problem. Yoda was one of the more prominent members of the Jedi Council. So how could a member of society not know one of the most prominent members of the Jedi Council and not make the correlation between the Jedi and this creature. And I got your answer for you. Cara Dune could have been too young to see Yoda. Maybe. Maybe none of them have met Yoda. Or even seen holograms or anything of Yoda. Maybe. It just means their educational system sucks, I guess. But I, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just... I, I was in your boat with you, and I was kind of adding on, like, well, if they're educated at all, which I would think Mandos and Republic members would be, then they would know who these things are and these creatures are and would know what Jedi abilities are. Like, Not, not, not necessarily. I'm, I'm going I'm to disagree with you on that part, but I, I, I do see what you're saying, though. Right. So, there... There is kind of like a, a confusion, huh. like a, a yeah, like a, a just kind of that. a more of a like a thing that makes you go. Hmm. Didn't they? Didn't he <laughs> you know? talk about something about cloning pools in that chat? Like he worked during the cloning, like in the cloning facilities. Do you think maybe he was working closer ties to the clones than he was? You're talking about Quill. Yes. Uh, I think he mentioned something about their cloning technology. Yeah. Uh, and, and that that they she wanted said she thought thought it was a clone. Which he's not, and that's what Quill tried to to say is, I don't think yeah, I think he's of organic birth. 
I think is the words he used. Uh, I don't remember if that was said or not. I don't remember that part. Okay, so uh, we move forward. They they land on the planet. They meet up with. Uh, I gotta get this guy's name right because Grief they keep Cargus. Grief Cargus. Okay. Uh, Grief Carga. <laughs> Uh, they meet up with Grief Karga, and the deal is they're going to go turn in the asset, but they're not really going to turn in the asset because there's only supposed to be, what, a firing squad, right? Four guys there yeah. or something like that. Uh, but they were going to trick them. They were going to bring a blank um, well, at first, pen with them. At least that yeah. was the plan. Cargus was going to betray the Mando. Oh, that's right, right, right. Sorry, I forgot. Team. They were actually going to actually bring initially... And get the bounty back. And get the and, bounty back and all that stuff. And, and then they get attacked by Grievous. Now, here's the part that, that I didn't catch on until this time. Who's the person left of the ship? IG-11, right. The and they never talk about that. If you notice, the Mandalorian never mentions IG-11s even in the ship. Do you think he kept him as a backup plan? I think he was a backup plan. I think he was a, a rogue that, that Gar Karga would not know about just in case. He is needed he, to rely on IG-11. said this is a trap and he knows it. Yeah, so I think he went in with some backup plans of backup plans of backup plans. Mando so, interestingly enough, Cargo, Cargo brings his own security detail. Mandalorian brings his security detail. Which are unblurred. Which are unblurred. <laughs> um, so they, they, they go through traveling. I said to Gary, I said, there's nothing like traveling to a city by going through a, you know... A, a molten lava <laughs> field yep. on your way to your city. And then they get attacked city. in the middle of the night by flying creatures. We have no idea what these things are. They kind of look like Minox that are dragons. I'm not even sure what they were. They attack were. the Blurgs and try to take off with the Blurgs. They, they, uh, they did kill two of the Blurgs. They, they attacked everything. In the Killed free. off one of Karga's uh, guys. Did some pretty hefty damage to uh, grief Karga tried to take off with a Mando, but he managed to torch one of them, which oh, I thought was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the well, big he... thing that happens here is is Karga's in pain. Uh, Kara's trying to stop the poison yeah, I was gonna say, his... from getting into his body, and the asset gets out of the pod and comes over and touches Grief Karga. The Mando and... almost grabs him and. Pill tells him to stop and wait. Yeah, well, I, I think the 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 my favorite line of the whole the whole part was uh, he's trying to eat me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> that was awesome. And yes, and the creature touches creature. him, and all of a sudden, um, his well, he falls over, and but his wounds are completely healed, which I thought was interesting because just before that episode came out, Disney had said, "Pay close attention to this episode; it's going to become really important later on." And, and see that Ray can do Ray that. could do that to the snake in the movie. So it was kind of like that week that happened. The next week the movie came out, and you and everybody kind of went, "Oh, now we see what you're saying." I was gonna say, isn't it a certain type of Jedi can be a healer? It's not something well, that's granted to every Jedi. Jedi were supposed to have talent pools, so certain Jedi were good. This is gonna sound ridiculous at gardening. Certain Jedi were good at being a librarian, like Jocasta knew. Uh, certain like Jedi were good at being diplomats, like Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon, right. So they had different talent pools within the Jedi Order that they pulled upon, and yes, some of them were healers. Was Foresight one of them? Like Anakin Foresight, being able to see, yes. kind of being able to see into the future. Uh, and that, you know, Windu and Yoda, and I, I think it was Ki Adi Mundi were the three that supposedly really had that. Above Ahsoka, everybody say, else. Ahsoka kind of had it too in the Clone Wars, but not in control. Yeah, a lot. Ahsoka's problem was she was never trained, so anything she had 
wasn't necessarily developed yet, you know, over time. Mm. So all that all that put aside, uh, I, I found it interesting that that's the thing that got Karga to jump on the side of the Mandalorian and say, you know what, we need to save this thing because it actually saved his guy. life. He shoots his own guy. He shoots his own guys. No, honor. we go up. Thieves. We meet. We meet the two biker scouts who are complete idiots. Which, oh, by the way, and I don't know why it drives my friends crazy about this. The and I noticed it because I called it the night we were watching it, and my brother kind of got mad at me. Uh, the the knees <laughs> yes. for the scout troopers were upside down; they're facing the wrong way. So if you if you look at the scout troopers, their knees are going the wrong way. Just so you know. Um. So, you know, frickin' frack. They they offer money for the helmet, the Mandalorian helmet. Cargo says, "No, that's going on my wall." Right, and. They they get past the security code and they they go in with the asset supposedly in the pod. At this point, we know that the asset is with Quilt, Quilt. and he is going back to the Razor's and he's Crest. going back to the to the Razor's Crest to keep him safe. So they go in to go negotiate with the initial cloner dude that we met in the first episode. Yeah, the, um... uh, and of course now the place is crawling with Imperials, and, and... The armor all kind of. Rusty in places and such, like still battle damage. Like uh, yeah, I mean, remember the Empire at this point is not long gone, but gone. Yeah, and they go into the room and they start to negotiate, and suddenly the bad guy gets a oh. phone call. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put Excuse it. Excuse me, I need to answer this. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he goes over and he answers the hologram, and that's when the room gets filled with blaster fire, killing everyone in it. Killing well, everybody but the Mandalorian, Cara Dune, and. Karga, and that's when... And the bartender droid. And Yes, the bartender droid, which is a Death Star droid, and I pointed out to Gary, we've now twice, I just want to point this out, twice, seen a Death Star droid not on the Death Star, and you've only ever seen a Death Star droid on the Death Star once. Just pointing that out. So why are we calling it a Death Star droid? Okay. Uh, so... <laughs> Nobody has an answer for that. Good. Okay. Evil Let, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> so... So uh, they are now trapped in there, and we find out that it was the black stormtroopers. I don't know what they called. They're not shadow they're troopers. Death they're troopers. death troopers. Thank you. And that's when Giancarlo Esposito's character comes down in a whirlwind of fury from a TIE fighter, and he's Moff Gideon, yep. and he wants the asset, and, and he's telling and the Mandalorian to give it up. They first off also show there's troop transports coming in. Right, right. And for the first time, we see troop transports. And Which Gary, how excited were you seeing that? I mean, like I almost saw the rebels too. I was like with glee, but I mean, you were doing your family dance. I was, I was, because I loved that troop transport. I don't know why. Uh, my brother had it as a toy, and he never played with it. So I ended up getting it, just kind of in so facto, because he didn't like the thing, and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I thought it was so cool to I, see it I like in the actual way that working they opened order. Opened up the door. Yeah, and then he could just run out. It was just yeah. cool. That was it was exactly in what Rebels, as a kid what I pictured in my head what it would look Rebels, like. In Rebels, they didn't use it that way. In no. Rebels, they kind of used it more like a tank. To the, no, to the action figure where they could hang out on the right, side. Right, right, right. So I, I liked their their troop transport. It was cool. I did not like the way the Tie Fighter. Yeah, landed. that felt weird. Like, uh, the fact it? that the wings folded flat and it came down, and I was just like, nah. You know, I, I'll agree with Gary. I always thought the cockpits opened underneath, like that you would drop no. down from. In, I know when you look at the toys, you put them in from the top. I get it. In Empire and in New Hope, in the hangar bays, they're sitting with ladder jacks, and you hop into the top. In Rebels, we've seen it open through the top. Where in a New Hope do they show them going through the top? 
I remember seeing it when you're in the hangar bay of the Death Star. There's, there's off to the side. No, they're not in the hangar bay of the Death Star. Not in a New Hope. But you see in every other medium that they open up at the top and you go through. Well, the top. I, it looks like it does. It's just you never actually see them going into it. But whenever I see the Tie Fighter, I first saw it. Mm-hmm. It was 1977. Okay. Right. All right. In the theater. All right. I always thought they went in through the bottom. I kind of thought the same thing Gary did. I also thought that it was something where you have to have a ladder to get in and out of the thing. You can't just land it and jump out. Why not? Because you have to. It sits off this far off the ground. Yeah, but my thought process as a kid always was the bottom half of that <laughs> ball can just lower, and then you could hop out. Huh. And then you could hop in, and the bottom half of the ball goes back up and makes the ball hole again. Yes, I just said that. Nah. I wasn't a fan of the tide tie fighter. I really wasn't. So Giancarlo Esposito, he tries to negotiate with the Mando. Meanwhile, the Mando is like yelling at uh, at Quill to get back to the ship as soon as possible. We know the two scout troopers take off after him, because and then it's kind of where we leave the episode off because we hear some some shouting and we hear some blaster bolts. We see Quill on the ground. We see somebody come over and scarf up the asset, and and that's it. Black. They leave you. They 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 leave you on the biggest cliffhanger ever. Uh, of a, at least of a Star Wars and TV I, I, show. I love Tara's responses. Not enough death, but also sad. <laughs> yeah, she said that when we watched the first time. I told her, I'm like, she's so Gary's apprentice. Because she's like, not enough death, but this is so sad. And she's like, yeah. And then I think so, Katie was sitting next to her, too. And just shot her luck. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I never said, that's so sad, though. <laughs> no, you probably didn't. You're just going, not enough death, come on. So what did you guys think of this episode? Uh, I know this is like your second or third or fourth or maybe even twelfth time seeing it. Uh, you know, what 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 did you guys think of this particular episode? You know, was this was this a good one? Was this a bad one? I mean, like, how was the storytelling in this? Was there anything that you were kind of like, wow, that didn't make sense at all? The Tie Fighter. <laughs> the Tie Fighter. Anything for you, Gary, that didn't make any sense at all? Uh, the troop transport. Okay, thanks. <laughs> how many how many people were coming out of the troop transfer? Because I feel like there was forty in the troop transfer, and I only seats like ten. <laughs> but but I'm just saying that just a bug of bug down. Yes, he is. Let's see, something that makes sense in it. Yeah, is there anything that didn't like that you didn't? I don't know. Didn't complete the story for you, I guess, or maybe took you out of the Star Wars universe, possibly. Bringing the birds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the I can see that. Really have that much room for three blurgs? I was kind of thinking about that. Like, where did they put the blurgs? Because when they're playing arm wrestling and all that, we don't see the blurgs in the ship at all. Uh, I, I thought we see them moving around just behind Cara uh, Dune's shoulder. I don't think I, so. I, I think they, I think he's right. Is are they? Okay. Uh, but it just seems like that. It just seems like that ship can't hold right. three blurgs, them and the asset and everything else. It's but I don't know. I was gonna say in the ghost. Ship, and I'm saying I kind of feel like at times that ship is too big. I feel like at times that ship turns into the TARDIS, where like it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. I just at times I feel like it. The one thing that took me out of this one was the stupid flying creatures. Oh. I was not a fan. I I, I don't know. Eh, I feel like that was a necessary thing to show that process you and to gain cargo on their side. You needed that to thin the herd. Yeah, I knew they had to thin the herd somehow, but I, I guess I just didn't like the flying creature aspect. I don't know. 
Uh, and and it kind of bothered me that Cara Dune shot like what eighty thousand rounds and missed. Yeah, never hit nothing. Didn't hit a dang thing. And I'm sitting there thinking, was she trained by a stormtrooper? Like, like how does that happen? Well, she's a shock trooper. <laughs> yeah, and they're supposed to be really good at shooting. Oh, I didn't know. I yeah, shock troopers. Just, are... I thought they were just like normal clone troopers. No, 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 no. Shock troopers are supposed to be like really like marksman type. You and know, she's not a clone either. She's not a clone, right? Um, I, I think that whole thing there was uh, the fact that shock troopers need that type of gun to pray and spray. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I, eventually, one of them's going to hit a bullet's going to hit something. That w- yeah, I would think so, especially if you're doling out the amount of you know blaster fire she was. Uh, what was your favorite part of this episode? The asset choking card. I knew that was going to be your favorite part. I knew it. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want me to say mine next, Austin? Sure. So you Give can me say a little yours. more time. I think my favorite part of this particular episode actually was the asset trying to get the money. <laughs> trying to, to force Reach for the money. I, I'm going to go with this one. I want to. I laughed at the fact that he was trying to drive the ship. <laughs> oh, playing with the ship? Yeah. Now okay. not, not this episode of the podcast is Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Okay, so, so let's let's rate this episode. Zeros that don't bother, tons of must see. What would you guys rate this episode? I mean, we'll go first. I'll go. Okay, I give it a seven. Okay, there's enough action in it that uh, kept me awake. Seeing the asset coming into his powers was was pretty good. The fact that he's using it for anger was great. Even though you guys didn't like the Tie Fighter, it kind of made sense to me. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and especially if you wanted him to get out quick. <laughs> Had to happen that way. I feel like there should be a side door. So, Austin, what do you think? What do you think? What would you rate it? I'm giving it a solid 8. Okay. I thought the humor with the asset and the certain things he did was very fitting. It didn't overpower it. It didn't feel like we're throwing too much humor in, but it also didn't feel like we're dark and brooding and on the dark side of Batman. So we were kind of right in that sweet spot of perfect things. Some things didn't make sense, but contextually for the next episode you set up quite a bit of stuff and you leave a nice you leave a cliffhanger that's like everyone's on the edge of their seats yeah it was like the perfect cliffhanger because and, then you're begging and if, them for if more. you were like us and you weren't binge watching it you had to wait the week that was killer yeah. by the way for those people who didn't do that yeah uh, that was killer to me <laughs> yeah but we don't but i know you two probably had to do that all the time with shows on tv what binge like, watch Cliffhangers. Oh, I had like, cliffhangers all over the place, like, like all the time. Let's just say, like a GI Joe episode mm-hmm. looked on a cliffhanger, like gosh darn it, I have to wait a week. Yep. GI Joe episode. Yeah. He's just shooting out something. Um, I, I used to watch hour long TV shows that had cliffhangers. Yeah, like ER and stuff like that. Yeah. All right, so I actually am probably higher than the two of you. I was going to rate this one a nine. Um, it's not a perfect ten. There's little things that bother me, but generally, I like there was. A lot of things I liked about it. I liked the mixture of humor, action, and 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 putting out a storyline, a drawn out storyline. So it didn't feel like an hour. Like every time I've watched this episode, even though it's forty two some odd minutes long, it never feels like it's forty two some odd minutes long. Uh, and and that's a good sign of a TV show to me because that means that you've got me in hooked in so much that. I'm not even watching the clock. Like I had no idea how fast the time would it's go by. It's not resistance. So you're looking at going. You have how much? Left? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I gotta admit, I, I this whole episode really I, I thought was a great setup for the finale. So like, if you want to talk about a perfect like volleyball set, I think this one did it for the spike that comes in the finale. 
Um, I think that this particular episode did it all. Um, you know, is is it the cliffhanger? I think adds that emotional part to it. Uh, but I also think the episode was great even without the cliffhanger added in there. Okay, so those were our thoughts on this episode of The Mandalorian, uh, Episode 7. We'd love to hear from you, so head on over to our website, galaxycast.com. Yes, it is fixed. Ga- email us at galaxycast at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube. Just search up GalaxyCast. We are on Twitter. Uh, I am working on putting us on Instagram soon and hopefully putting us um, on some other apps soon. We're on Spotify. So we are on Spotify and we are on uh, iHeartRadio, so check us out there. Um, so, yeah, and we are on Podomatic as well. So uh, please search for us all over the place. Okay, so as we like to say here in the Star Production Studios, may the Force be with those who listen. I reclaim my time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line... We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line... You failed me for the last time. And look for the GalaxyCast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.